we got to go. All right, Matthew chapter 7. Get, get out your Bibles. Let's turn there. I want to encourage you, if you're having a hard time knowing how to start with God, start with Matthew chapter 5 and work your way through chapter 7. It's where we've been. It's the teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. So very vital in our life. We've been talking about judgment. Let's look at the first scripture. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged, for with judgment you judge, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Verse 3, and why don't you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Verse 5, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they, be tramp- and lest they trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you into pieces. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we acknowledge that this is your teaching, Jesus, and that we are here as the student to learn that we do not have it all figured out, that, Lord, the first beatitude, the blessed, the poor in, blessed are the poor in spirit. Or blessed are those that need you, God. Blessed are, the, blessed are those that acknowledge the fact that we need you, God. And, Lord, I'm here to proclaim, proclaim at Church on the Hill, we need you, God. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to review very quickly. If we remember from the last two weeks, it's taken me, this is my third week, and I'm going to finish judgment today. But judgment means to evaluate. You have to evaluate what's right and wrong, and the world really likes to grab hold of this scripture, judge not. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying not to judge. We're going to, I'm going to show you in John chapter 7, verse 4, that judgment is necessary. Judgment is necessary. A world without, without clear judgment, can you imagine making decisions in your life without good judgment? You've got to have good judgment. You've got to evaluate between right and wrong. The church has to evaluate between right and wrong. Hold on to that which is good and get rid of that which is bad. We see in John chapter 7 verse 24 that it says, don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Now, is Jesus contradicting himself? No. What he was saying in the Sermon on the Mount is that when we do judge, it says that with the measure that you judge, you're going to be, that same measure is going to be used against you. What he's saying is, use the right standard. Use the right judgment. Use godly judgment when you judge, but before you judge, deal with your own problems. Right? You got a plank in your eye, you're battling with somebody about the speck in their their eye, and you're being judgmental over them. God's saying, no, 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 you've got this backwards. Deal with the plank that's in your eye. It's what we looked at last, last week. Deal with the plank that's in your eye, because when you do, your judgment toward your brother's speck is going to be so much more merciful and graceful. Why? Because God was merciful and graceful with you. So the problem is we get judgment ahead of, we, we put judgment first on judging our brother before we go and look at ourselves. And the Lord's saying, no, 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 go ahead and spend most of your time dealing with yourself. Get that dealt with, and then maybe you're going to be ready to righteously judge. It doesn't say to go judge everybody, it says to righteously judge. Big difference. Big difference. Righteous judgment. 
The Lord's saying, don't be more zealous about the speck in your brother's eye than you are about the plank in your own. Be zealous about the plank in your own. Last week, before we took communion, I asked you to ask the Lord, do I have a plank in my eye? I want to ask you, and you don't have to answer, this is rhetorical, did he answer you? And are you working to remove the plank? Or did you just let the Lord identify it? Identifying it is a, is a big deal. But then you've got to remove it. First, remove the plank in your eye. So many times we don't even know we've got a plank in our eye. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. He would be glad to show you the plank in your eye. Not to, not to condemn you. Not to push you down. But to get you to where you can see clearly. You're seeing unclearly. I can't imagine trying to drive like this. Yet we're going through our life with a plank in our eye, thinking we can identify somebody else's speck. Don't judge according to appearance, but with righteous judgment. So, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. It's the last part of this. Don't give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and tear you to pieces. Now, I want to warn you, if you are new to Church on the Hill and you've not been here over the last few months, it's hard to go and jump into chapter 7 without dealing with chapter 5 and chapter 6 because the Lord has been dealing with our heart every step. It's been a little piece after a little piece after a little piece. So now here we get to this part that he completely changes the subject. So far in verse 3 through 5, He's been talking about us getting distracted, that I get distracted with a critical spirit toward people that might be less committed than, than me. That as I was saying last week, so many times we get on fire for God and we start getting judgmental on people that we think aren't. I think that we've all probably experienced both sides of that. I've gotten excited, then I can see everything everybody's doing wrong, but I'll, also I've seen people get excited in the Lord and then start telling me everything I'm doing wrong. And both of them are wrong. And that's what Jesus is dealing with, is that when, when you really start pursuing the Sermon on the Mount, people are going to be critical of you, and you're going to have a tendency of being critical, a tendency of being critical with them. It's natural. How many of you know it's natural to be critical? Rarely do we point out what's good, but quickly we point out what's bad. Justin came up to me, Pastor Justin came up to me last week about something I don't remember what it was. I want to say it might have been FCA or something like that. And he just said, tell me what we were doing wrong. And I basically said, I don't want to. I want to tell you what you're doing right. It's so easy to go into a situation and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. But I go to the high school FCA and they've got a packed room, a huge room, packed full. Kids raising their hands and worshiping the Lord. And Justin said, what would you do different? said, I wouldn't do anything different. It's full in there. Y'all are doing great stuff in there. Now, could I pull it apart? Yes, I could. But I don't want to. It's not my job. I want to support it. I want to love on you. I want to tell you because Justin gave a message. And it was a great message. So don't set me up to tell you negative. I want to tell you positive. You're doing a great job. And bless the high school. Amen. I got enough issues of my own. I don't, don't get me started on you, Allie. 
Nancy? It was Luke? It wasn't Allie? No, it was Allie. Luke? Luke. All right. What was I talking about? Justin. Let's talk about Justin some more. Critical. Think about how easy it is to be critical. Sorry, Coach Hurd. I look out there at you, and coaches, just people get critical over coaches over everything. Drives me crazy. I think, I think their job is similar to my job and how easy it is to get critical of what I'm doing, what the coach is doing. Everybody can, can armchair quarterback everything that a coach does wrong. But what you don't realize is the pressures and the time and everything that goes into it and their hearts being poured out into it and just sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hole. How many of you have tried something and you've done something over and over and over and you've given your whole heart but the ball didn't go in the hole? Last thing you need is a critical spirit showing up. Somebody encourage. You'll make the next one. Something that I've heard teach a shooter, a shooter, a three-point shooter, it just keeps shooting, keeps shooting. They keep missing. You know what a coach will tell them? Keep shooting. It will go in. You just keep shooting. Don't you stop shooting. You keep shooting. I want to encourage you in your walk with God. Keep shooting. Keep walking. Don't stop walking. And quit being critical. All right, now, now that was all free. Let me get back to what I was talking about. What happens is you get excited for God. You get on fire for God. If you've really been walking out the Sermon on the Mount, I'm telling you, you're going to get on fire. It's impossible not to. When you start doing God's plan, He is going to set you on fire. And you know what will happen? People will start being critical of you. People will start being critical of you being on fire for God. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And it's not people outside the church, it's people inside the church. This scripture here about don't give to dogs what is holy and be careful what you give to pigs, this is inside the church. How many of you know we do stuff kind of strange inside the church? I've once heard it said we eat our own. When a, when a Christian sins, the church devour them. And that's wrong. That's wrong at every level. The church should be a healing place, not a judgmental place. But it happens in the church. And we get on fire for God. What happens is we have a tendency in our flesh to be critical. And the church, the body, has a tendency of being critical of our being on fire. And the Lord is saying, don't lose your focus. Don't lose your focus. And it's so strange that Jesus Christ... The Son of God would refer to people as dogs and pigs. Is that what he's doing? He's not talking about literal dogs. He's talking about people. He's not talking about pigs. He's talking about people. This is a major judgment that he's making on these people. And he's judging them right here because of, he is exposing their nature. Because you know what happens to people that are on fire for God? Most of the time, they're even new. They're, they're new creatures. They're new Christians. But you know what's happened in my life is sometimes I'll get revelation and I'll get on fire again. And I'm like a new creation again. 
Have you ever been there? I've been saved for uh, 40, not 40, 36 years. I've been spirit baptized since I was 17 years old. And I've been on a roller coaster, a spiritual roller coaster. I have highs and I have lows. And sometimes when I get on those highs, I feel like a brand new Christian again. And you know what happens to a brand new on fire Christian? Is they're naive and they think everybody loves them. And they think everybody will go along with what you're saying. Whether you're right or wrong. Have you ever just been so on fire and then you go and you try to get that fire spread to other people and they won't touch you with anything? You're weird. Not you. They... I look at the Sarahs there. I wasn't saying you were weird. Get away from me. I don't want anything to do with that. Why? This is so good. God is so good. When I try to talk about tithing and I talk about Dave Ramsey and I talk about Weight Watchers, I know y'all are tired of hearing it, but it's so good. Why wouldn't everybody do it? Why wouldn't everybody have a spreadsheet when they go to Disney? My spreadsheeters all raise their hand over there. Yeah. My two nerds of Dave Ramsey, my two people that teach it over there, man, they get it. We're nerds, aren't we? Amen. Why won't you get it? And they reject you. They not only reject you, but they criticize you. Have you ever ever tried to feed wild dogs? We don't have too many packs of wild dogs in this area. But I want you to know back in Jesus' day, it was common. Do you know what will happen when you feed wild dogs? They will go nuts. And they will bite your hand. And when the food's gone, they will tear you apart. And that's what he's saying here in the church. You get on fire for God, be careful who you're talking to. And be careful to hold your heart, to guard your heart, not to allow yourself to step into a critical spirit. And not to allow a critical spirit to get you down. Man, Elizabeth and I have gone through such a hard year in 2012 of a critical spirit on both sides. It was on both sides. It was on my side and their side. In her life, it was on both sides. We were being critical and people were being critical of us. And instead of taking the Sermon on the Mount, staying focused on God through it all, we took the bait and we went down. And it was by the grace of God that he rescued us. And I'm telling you, it came at the perfect time. I didn't think I could make it the next day. And I am not a depressed person. I've never battled depression until 2012. And I don't want to just say it was just me. It was Elizabeth and me. And it was hard. But I've also been able to say in my testimony of 2012 that I don't believe God could have reached me until I hit that bottom. I think that I had pushed things so far back and that I'd bought into this critical spirit that the Lord had to take me to a place that only he could rescue me from. Now, that may sound like, what kind of God is that? That is a good God, that at any cost, he will rescue me. He will rescue me. And out of it has come such miracles. Such miracles. We went through Dave Ramsey. Elizabeth has gone back to get her master's. The Lord has just moved in miraculous ways in the midst of our worst year of my life. 
God did miracle after miracle after miracle. The problem was I bought into the critical spirit, and I allowed the critical spirit to devour me. And Jesus is saying, you're going to get excited. You're going to get on fire. You're gonna, you're, when you really start grabbing the Sermon on the Mount, the Holy Spirit's going to start flowing in you. The, God's going to start blessing you. You're going to get so excited you can't contain it. And you know what? You're not supposed to contain it. But he is saying, be careful of wild dogs and pigs. You know what pigs do when you give them something precious? They don't take a pearl and go evaluate it and take it to a jeweler and say, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think this is worth? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go out here and get on eBay and I'm going to go sell it. A pig doesn't do that. A pig says, what is that? I can't eat that. I can't root around and it. it doesn't smell good. So what do they do? They trample it down and push it down under the ground until it is gone, can't be found again. And the Lord is saying, be careful when you get excited for God, when you get on fire for God, because I want you on fire. But when you're on fire, there are dogs and there are pigs out there to get you. And Jesus isn't saying they're not going to be there. Jesus isn't saying that they're going to devour you. Jesus is saying to watch out for them and don't be devoured by them. That's a tough word inside the church. That's a tough word to be on fire for God, but you need to be careful. Jesus is saying, this is what is going to happen. And I, I, I would guess that most of you have seen it. Jesus is saying, don't lose your salvation. Jesus is saying, seek me first and my kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Stay focused on God, but don't give these precious things to dogs because they will eat you up. And Jesus is saying that unless you're a very mature believer, you're going to get distracted. So be careful and be prepared and be focused on me, the king. Focused on my kingdom, God's kingdom. Be salt and light. Be growing in righteousness. Don't get lost in those criticizing you and don't get lost in being critical of them. What happens is we get going on the Sermon on the Mount and Satan throws everything at us to try to get us distracted. He'll throw the church at us. He will throw uh, the world at us. He will throw our mind at us. He will throw everything we can at us. And let me warn you, Satan knows the word. But Satan is a deceiver. So you start really walking this out, you need to expect challenges. Jesus is saying you're not free of challenges. But I've given you the power to overcome those challenges. Don't buy into a critical spirit. The Bible commands us to judge, no question. But don't sacrifice truth for love or love for truth because they are the... Uh, they are, they are two sides of one coin. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head. Speaking the truth in love. Now, I'm almost done. The truth is more than just accurate information. There is a man who is the truth. And his name is Jesus. And much more than accurate information, he is accurate information about God. But in a spirit of love. And you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate truth and love. 
The reason that we bring judgment is to give people the opportunity for freedom and liberty. It is Christ-like to judge. You hear out in the community amongst church members, amongst believers, why don't you be more like Jesus and not judge? Let me tell you, Jesus judged. Again, you can only say that if you are judging in tenderness, judging with a motive for love, and judging to restore the person and to help deliver them. You're not judging them because of a vendetta of your brother who is bothering you or trying to get even with them. There's a parallel here between Jesus judging and judging cancer. The doctor discovers cancer and he deals with it to remove it. And we can use the concept of evaluating to remove a cancer while there's still time to save the life in the patient. That is the idea. Not to judge a cancer while there's time to save the life of the patient would be malpractice. If you know someone has a problem that is going to kill them, you are making a mistake by not trying to help them. The problem is we help them with a critical spirit, not with a godly spirit. And we wind up taking somebody even further down rather than helping them build back up. We have, gotten, we have gotten separated. We have gotten a double standard that's illogical and it's not genuine. And it's between human dignity and the freedom to sin and do everything that you want. The world has two values. The freedom to sin with no restraints and human dig- dignity. And they, they combine these two things illegally. If you, tell, if you tell someone that, it, it is, that they are not free to sin, they go, you do not value human dignity. And you can't combine the two in truth. They are separate points. But it is ingenious. It is brilliant to try to combine the two. The reason I, I go into this is because people detest moral standards. They detest the sanctity of life. They detect, detest the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of sex. We have got a war on our hands right now in our world over right and wrong. There is a war being fought within the church. I read an email this morning from a church member talking about churches saying that we are open to everyone. The backslidden, the sinner, the homosexual, the drug addict, the person that's just gotten out of jail the person that's life is falling apart. Our church is open. This is a place for them. This is healing ground for the world that doesn't make their sin right. That doesn't make their sin right. But, our, but what we need to do is to allow the world to come in here and offer them Jesus. You know what they will find if they find Jesus? They will find truth. They will not hear truth until they hear Jesus. They need to hear Jesus. And we need to not devour our own. When the lost come in here, we need to love them. Not reject them. And not try to fix them the first moment they show up. You know what, how can we fix anybody?
Jesus can fix them. He's going to use you and he's going to use me. But when we take Jesus out of the equation, all we're going to do is mess it up. And I want you to know Jesus loves the sinner. You are an example of that. Think for a minute of who Jesus saved in you. The sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage. Two fundamental principles when it comes to judging. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. It's a lot to learn right here in this one scripture. When you go to help, help your brother, number one, go in private. You know what's natural? It's for us to skip that and go tell somebody else about it. You know, you know what this guy's doing? You know what he's doing? Let me encourage you, close your mouth. And if it's worth talking about, go and sit down with them. Go and sit down with them in private. Don't go vent. Don't go vent. Don't go gossip. Be zealous for righteousness. Go to your brother in private. Why? Do you know what? Jesus comes to you in private. And he's gentle. And he's merciful. And he comes with a spirit of conviction, not a spirit of condemnation. He comes to us in private. Number two, tell your brother face to face. You know, we are so, we, we, we get so easy with our communication and texting and emails. We'll say things we would never say. People say things on Facebook they would never say to my face. That's why I don't post on Facebook. You, if you Facebook message me, just I want to warn you, I'll never respond. I hate Facebook. I, well, I don't want to say that. I don't hate, well, I do. I don't, I don't like Facebook. I like social media. I mean, tweet, tweet. I, don't, don't tweet, I hate Facebook. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> I hate what Facebook has done to our community, to marriages, to families, to relationships, to young teenage girls and boys. Why? Because we're brave typing that stuff out. You get face-to-face. You know what it says that when two or three, when, when, two, or, when two or more are gathered together. Now, we're, again, we're talking about people in the church. We're talking about people that have Jesus in their heart. And you know what it says? That when two gather together, that he is there. You want to know why it's more impactful to go to your brother face to face? Because the Lord will be there. And you know what? When I look at that man face to face and I've got a problem and I see that tear coming out of his eye, you know what's going to happen? It's going to break my heart. And I'm going to react differently. That's why you don't break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend on texts. Get face to face. And then allow the Lord to move in your heart. So real quickly, real quickly, the judging process. I'm going to give you six steps. 
Number one, I'm, I'm done. This is it, I promise. Deal with your own issues. Before you start getting judgmental, deal with your own issues. Anybody here got issues? If you think you don't have issues, that's your issue. (laughs) And that's a big one. You think it's not a big one. It is a big one. People that I run into that think they've got it all together are some of the hardest people to break through with. People that realize they have issues can be helped. I've got issues. I've got spreadsheet issues. <laughs> Elizabeth gave me a uh, shopping list yesterday for uh, Walmart, and I so wanted to go get out the spreadsheet and put it in order and make sure I got it all right, but I didn't. I am trying so hard. I didn't have her with me. Yeah, yeah her order's not my order, though. But here I'm walking along with these scribbles all over it thinking, man, I need a spreadsheet. (laughs) Deal with your own issues. Deal with your own issues. Number two, go humbly. Don't, Don't go knowing everything. Go with your own mistakes leading you. Go with some things that you've walked through. Go with your own testimony to lead. You know what? You're battling this in your life. I've battled that too. And that wasn't easy. It was hard. And my heart goes out to you, and I'm here with you. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to tell you everything you're doing wrong. I'm here to tell you I am with you to help you get through this. What are you going through? I want to help you. Number three, big one. Take the time to get accurate information. Do your homework. Don't go making accusations. Do your homework. Don't you hate it when someone comes to you to, to, to tell you what you're doing wrong and they have part of the information right? I don't like that. Get the information right. Number four, the goal is to restore. The goal is not to show them what they're doing wrong. The goal is to help them to be restored. Everybody say amen. Amen. Our goal is to restore. A sinner comes in this church. It is not our goal to show them their sin. It is our goal to restore them. Jesus will show them their sin. Number five. This is a big one too. Go patiently. You know, sometimes when you go, to go and sit down with your brother. Now, can I, can I slow down just for a minute? Remember the word brother. This is someone you're close to. This is not someone that you have a distant, broken, nothing relationship that you're going to go be critical in somebody's life. This is someone that they've given you the right to speak to them about truthful things. I've got three or four people in my life that really have that right. Do you have one or two people in your life that can speak truthful to you? They can tell you you've got a booger hanging out of your nose and you're not going to go throw a fit. I like it when people tell me I've got spinach in my teeth so that I don't go look like a doofus in front of somebody. I eat a lot of salads and I get spinach in my teeth. 
Somebody tell me I got spinach in my teeth. But go patiently. You know what happens sometimes when you go to someone and you say, look, I know you're battling here and I want to help you. They don't repent right away. They don't respond greatly right away. That's okay. Don't make, don't fix, don't make them be fixed right then. All they're going to do is reject you. Love on them. Go patiently. All you're doing is sowing a seed. You can't control how that seed's going to come out. Jesus will. But you sow the seed. Finally, confidentiality. If a person's not part of the solution, they don't need to share in the information. That'll save you so much problems. 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Love covers. Everybody say covers. It protects sins. These are sins that have been addressed and repented of. And can I tell you, if someone has addressed and repented of a sin, don't expose it again. Leave them alone. Jesus has paid the price. Is that enough? It's enough. Let them free of it. You're being a problem to them not getting free. How many of you have have repented of a sin, but you couldn't get free of it? Because you got somebody in your ear telling you still all about it. Shut up! Relationships are the worst for that. I've repented of that, genuinely. Let me free. Jesus has. Why don't you? Let me free. Proverbs 17, 9. This is it. He who covers a transgression seeks love. He who covers a transgression seeks love. You know, Noah had three sons, and Noah got drunk, and he got naked. And one of the sons went in there and saw him. And that son came out and was telling everybody about it. But one of the three sons went back in and got a blanket walked in backwards, and covered him. That's what love does. Love doesn't go to the rooftops and start shouting out what everybody's doing wrong. Love comes in with a blanket and covers it and waits for them to sober up and loves on them. Do you know that's what Jesus did for you? Why don't you do it for them? Y'all stand up with me. Having a critical, judgmental spirit is such a big deal. We all battle this. That's why Jesus is talking about it. Jesus, we want to be free of judgment. We want to be free of unrighteous judgment. And Lord, we want to be filled with righteous judgment. And Lord, in order for us to get there, we have got to know you. We have got to know you. We all just bow your heads with me. Father, we just ask for you to change our heart. Let us not be critical of others. And Lord, let others being critical of us not drown us. You're not calling us to do this on our own. You're calling us to do this with you. Righteous, righteousness. You have covered us in your righteousness. Are you battling a critical spirit? Just ask right now, right where you sit, Lord, Lord, free me of that critical spirit. 
and make a decision today to get in the Word, to get in Matthew chapter 7 and begin to walk it out. You can't just be a hearer of the Word. You've got to be a doer of the Word. Do you know Jesus? Have you made that commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You know it says in Scripture that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead, that you will be saved. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he paid the price for your sins? Would you receive him today and confess with your mouth today that Jesus is Lord? That Jesus is Lord of your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. His word says that you will be saved. Just worship you, Lord. I will call upon your name. And Lord, you will save me. Do you need prayer today? What are you battling? We want to pray with you today. If those praying with me would just come on forward. Give the Lord a chance. Step out in faith this morning and ask. We're going to seek starting next week. Ask, seek, knock. We've got to ask. We've got to seek. We've got to knock and we've got to keep on knocking. Would you start today? Would you start today by stepping out in faith? As we sing, I just open the altar to any prayer, whether it's financial, whether it's marital, whether it's health, whatever you're battling. Maybe it's judgmental. Maybe it's critical. Maybe it's depression. It's time to get free. We want to pray with you. As they sing, just come.